Antenatal care. So the components for the initial antenatal consult are to confirm the pregnancy with history and BCG, get an estimated date of gestation by getting a last menstrual period, go over the history, so the obstetric history, medical, family and psychosocial history uh, and get that down. Then to move on and discuss um, the specific points about pregnancy and history of the antenatal consult. So get the age of the mum, rubella immunity, rhesus status, uh, and then moving on to arrange mum's, mum's um, desires for this pregnancy. Um, so discuss mum's desires for pregnancy, how, how she wants to manage the care. Um, and then if she's got any specific questions about this pregnancy. Um, then you want to work on and just discuss the specific advice um, in pregnancy, you know, which are revolving around SNAP, avoiding listeria with no soft cheeses, no unpasteurized dairy, no cold meats, takeaway food, having folate, 0.5 megs a day or 5 megs a day, one month before conception, weight control, moderate exercise, rubella immunity and stopping coffee, uh, avoiding alcohol and smoking in there as well. The exam in the first antenatal visit, you want to get general inspection, OBS, get a urine ward test, just generally examine head and neck, chest for breasts and nipples, abdomen for uterine size, if there is a fetal heart sound, auscultate that and you know if paps aren't up to date or is an indication for a spec exam then you can do that. The general components of the routine antenatal screening test in the first visit are to get full blood count, iron studies, blood group, ABO, rhesus, cervical cytology, HBV and hep C serology, HIV and syphilis serology, get a urine test, um, get a combined first trimester ultra finds combined first trimester screen at nine to thirteen weeks for Downs. Morphology scan at eighteen weeks. Vitamin D varicella serology. Hb electrophoresis for thalassemia. Genetic testing for cystic fibrosis. The components of the combined first trimester screen include free beta HCG at 9 to 13 weeks, ideally at 10 weeks, PAPA at 9 to 13 weeks, ideally at 10 weeks, and a nuchal translucency ultrasound at 12 to 13 weeks. Subsequent to that, routine tests, OGTT at 28 weeks, anti-D at 28 and 34 weeks, a full blood count at 36 weeks, Group B strep at 36 weeks. 
exam at each antenatal visit. You want to do weight, blood pressure, urinalysis, uterine size and fundal height, fetal heart rate from 18 weeks, fetal movements, presentation and position of the fetus, noting edema and date of quickening. In terms of overall weight gain, you can expect 3 kilos of weight gain in the first half, 12 kilos overall, and less than 20 kilos weight gain is okay. Weight gain normally levels off at about 26 weeks. In terms of fetal movements, more than 10 each day and no change is good. If there's less than 10 in a day, you should probably go to a hospital. In terms of specific dietary requirements, iron, you need 27 megs of iron a day, 1 gram per kilo of, for protein, folate 600 mics a day, iodine 150 mics a day, water 2 litres, B12 if deficient, and keep your vitamin D levels over 70, with vitamin D 1,000 to 2,000 units a day. Travel in pregnancy is to be avoided after 28 weeks and after 36 weeks it's not permitted. Management of specific problems in pregnancy. Causes of proteinuria in pregnancy would include UTI, contamination, preeclampsia and chronic kidney disease. Management of pregnancy sickness would include having small frequent meals, ginger, avoiding stimulus, keeping your teeth clean, avoiding oral iron. You can use pyridoxine, 50 to 100 megs BD or Maxilon, 10 megs TDS. Associations in hyperemesis gravidarum are, it can be normal, it can be from a high ditidiform mole, it can be from multiple pregnancies or from a UTI. Management of hyperemesis gravidarum includes routine bloods, urine, urine test, ultrasound, bed rest, nil orally, doing fluid and electrolyte replacement, pyridoxine 50 to 100 megs IV or oral, maxillon 10 megs TDS, and then slowly returning to oral intake. In terms of miscarriages, there's six, seven different types of miscarriage threatened, which is where you have vaginal bleeding prior to 20 weeks gestation. Inevitable, we have passage of products of non-viable IUP or they're expected to come immediately. Incomplete, we have some retention, retention of the product's conception in a non-viable intrauterine pregnancy. And? Okay. Mist. Ultrasound shows a non-viable intrauterine pregnancy in the absence of vaginal bleeding. Septic, which is a miscarriage complicated by infection. Recurrent, which is three plus miscarriages. And complete miscarriage is a full expulsion of product conception with IUP intrauterine pregnancy. If you have vaginal bleeding in pregnancy, the history that you want to take is to establish gestational age of pregnancy, the amount of blood loss, pain, symptoms, whether you have any syncope, shortness of breath or chest pain from anemia, 
shoulder tip pain from any intra-abdominal bleed, cervical smear history, whether there's poorly controlled diabetes or thyroid disease. The risk factors for ectopic pregnancy include current use of intrauterine contraceptive device, using the mini pill, having assisted contraception, previous pelvic inflammatory disease, previous STIs, previous tubal surgery, or previous ectopic pregnancy. Examination in vaginal bleeding would consist of generally looking to see if well or not well, signs of anemia or shock, OBS looking for signs of shock, abdo exam looking for tenderness, guarding, rigidity or distension, fundus palpable above the pubic symphysis at 12 weeks, doing a spec exam to assess the amount and origin of bleeding, inspecting the cervix and vagina for other causes of bleeding. Any tissue in the open os should be removed and sent to histology. Doing a bimanual exam for uterus size, dilatation of os, pelvic tenderness or cervical motion tenderness. Investigations in vaginal bleeding and pregnancy would include an ultrasound, transvaginal, looking for a gestational sac which is visible from four weeks and three days after the last menstrual period. Looking at beta HCG, which normally rises 66% per 48 hours. If it's slow to rise, less than 50% in 48 hours, that's an indication of an ectopic. You want to get an idea of maternal blood group and rhesus status. Management of threatened miscarriage is to treat. Threatened miscarriage is treated expectantly. Bearing in mind you can have a 2.6 times risk of miscarriage later in the same pregnancy and 17% will go on to have complications such as preterm labour or intrauterine growth restriction. Management of inevitable, inevitable miscarriage is expectant versus medical versus surgical treatments. Um, same for incomplete, same for missed. Uh, details of the expectant miscarriage is at 60%. We'll expect to have complete expulsion in two weeks, 90% by eight weeks. Missed miscarriages can take longer to expel. Uh, if there's no bleeding or pain within 14 days of the consult, then you want to review. Medical management of miscarriages include misoprostol, which is a prostaglandin E analog given orally or vaginally. Surgical management of miscarriage is the treatment of choice, if you have hemorrhage or sepsis, consists of dilation and curatage. Contraindications for DNC in miscarriage would include anticoagulant therapy. And the complications of DNC would include anesthetic risks, hemorrhage, perforation, retained products of conception, and endometritis. Features of ectopic pregnancy include amenorrhea, low abdo pain, abnormal vaginal bleeding, cramping in the iliac fossa, excruciating pains, and circulatory collapse. Risk factors for ectopics include previous ectopic, PID, previous abdo surgery, IUCD use, or IVF. Features of exam in ectopic would include a deep tenderness in the iliac fossa, tenderness in bimanual cervical motion,
soft cervix and bleeding prune juice. Investigations in ectopic pregnancy would include urine pregnancy test, serum beta HCG more than 1500, transvaginal ultrasound or laparoscopy. Beta HCG will be slow to rise, so less than 50% in 48 hours, when normal is 66% per 48 hours. However, it's noted that beta HCG can be normally rising in 21% of ectopics. Management of an ectopic would include iron methotrexate, 50 megs per square meter, laparoscopic removal, salpingectomy or salpingotomy. 95% of ectopics are in the fallopian tubes. Surgery is required in an ectopic when patients are hemodynamically unstable, evidence of rupture, medical treatment has failed, there's contraindications to methotrexate, uh, and you want to do a salpingectomy where possible unless the contralateral tube is also damaged. Medical management is suitable for those who are hemodynamically stable able to comply with treatment and follow-up, have a beta HCG less than 5,000, or an agnexal mass less than 3.5 centimeters with no fetal cardiac activity. The overall complications of ectopics are that people will go on to have successful pregnancies in 60%, with the subsequent risk of future ectopic pregnancies 15%.